Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Network Podcast. I'm Gabriel Sedlak, and I have a lot to share with you here today. So let's get right to it. Hey, everybody. Thanks for getting on the podcast. Today's subject is whatever happened to excellence. Now, as I always do, I like to tell you exactly where I'm sitting when I'm doing my podcasts. And today has been one of those days. If it's not Amazon knocking at the front door, the chimes going off, alerts all over the house happening, both of our vacuum robot, our robot vacuums are banging into stuff and going all over the place. If it's not the dogs barking, uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the washing machine running on a high speed or some banging sound upstairs, I wasn't even able to be in my studio and have the, the quiet I needed today because actually I'm at home. And it's funny how, you know, you don't even notice that stuff. You don't notice all that noise until you're focused and you're ready to do something like this. And then suddenly it's like hyper, <laughs> hyper agitating. So anyway, I am actually in my garage sitting in my vehicle recording this with the sunroof open uh, to have air, obviously. So uh, that's where I am. I hope you guys can identify with that. But uh, as I always say, you know, it's about revolving your business around your life. It's not about revolving your life around your business. And uh, freedom and just being able to do wherever you, wherever you are, just do what you need to do. And don't worry about perfect. Just do it. So we're talking about whatever happened to excellence, right? Well, we live in a society now that has quickly almost lost its concept completely about excellence when it comes to manners, when it comes to kindness, when it comes to right and wrong. We live in a day now where wrong is right and right is wrong. If it's righteous and good and beneficial and life-giving and helpful, it's attacked and seen as evil. But if it propagates something that ultimately is very destructive, it is embraced and heralded, even crowd-surfed across the populace. And um, I want to talk about something very simple today, and it's called Whatever Happened to Excellence. So, for instance, and I just started thinking of scenarios and how you can separate yourself from the masses. The objective is, I want you to separate yourself from the masses. And how do you do it? Through simple actions of excellence. And it's like this. Um, I had a man tell me one time, he said, you know what, he said, you know what, Gabriel, if you would just be on time or a few minutes early, right, everywhere you go, if you would just be on time, do what you say you're going to do, anticipate need before you're asked. He said, did you know you'd bypass 95% of the population at that point? And he said, that other 5%, you may need to know something but probably not so much because they're so blown away by the first three. And we live in a day now where a handshake, keeping your word, putting your hand on the Bible, saying an oath, um, agreeing to a contract, saying you're going to do something, nobody is held to a standard because it doesn't seem to matter. And I think a great analogy is, you know, we don't wake up one morning and say, hey, you know, anything, everything that's right is now wrong, no, it's, it's a progressive thing. It's a gradual thing. For instance, there was a, a study done where they said if you took um, a, a commercial airliner, right, 
and you were leaving San Francisco, and the nose of the plane, right, the very tip of the plane, the nose of the plane, is facing directly in a straight line to uh, New York City. And you simply turned the nose of that plane eight inches away. Okay? So it's facing New York. You turn it eight inches to the right. And you fly. That simple eight inches will land you in Washington, D.C. and not New York. So isn't it funny how over time we end up in a very, very completely different place than where we all intended? And that's all that's happening is because there's not been standard bearers, because of all of truth, quote, being relative, absolutes, right and wrong, has been so attacked, really, and, and, and avoided. And there's never been real consequence for actions that people just don't seem to matter. And, you know, whenever you live in a—they say we live in a Roman culture where entertainment, sport, and philosophy are the dominant factors. And there's a term— um, that I've actually trained and, and written about this. It's, uh, it's called uh, bread and circuses. It was, um, it was a way that the Romans would control the population, and the way they would do it is they would entertain the masses, and then they would withhold bread, and they would give bread accordingly in order to get loyalty or to get their votes. Fascinating, isn't it? Withhold bread or give lots of free bread in order to get votes and make darn sure you're entertaining the populace and they will not revolt against the leadership and they could institute whatever it is they wanted. Now, what does that sound like, right? Well, anyway, and I was also thinking about, you know, it, 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 again, it's not this suddenly you wake up one day and everything around you is different. No, it's a progressive thing. Um, you know, these days, let's let's say you're in in PetSmart, right? Many of you have pets. Let's say you're in PetSmart, if you have a PetSmart around you, and you're sitting there in line, and suddenly you're watching two people ahead of you, and the lady at the, at the register that is, that is trying to check out takes an extra 45 seconds, right? She has an extra 45 seconds. She thought she had her credit card. She got it lost between some papers in her wallet, and you're watching the guy behind her, and suddenly, because she goes, oh, hang on, I thought I found it. Hold on a second. Oh, so sorry. Excuse me. Let me, uh, I had my I had my credit card here. Where in the world? Where in the, and you see, and the guy behind is like, and he's huffing, and he's like, geez. And he, you can see him stopping. It's like, come on, I don't have time for this. You hear him mumbling under his breath. That's the world we live in, where a 45-second interruption throws somebody off. Or you take somebody's cell phone, suddenly their battery is low, right? And they can't find their charger, and they go into mental breakdown. Why? Because they haven't picked up their phone again for the 270th time for the afternoon as a habit. You know, it's like uh, they, they've done all those experiments where they have the, the rats or the mice in these giant mazes that they create in these little labyrinths. And uh, they have electrodes attached to their brain or, or attached to the food. And they can control behavior, even to the point where if there is no food, if they can electroshock the brain to get it to have some satisfactory response, then the rat or the mice will, will do the, the same action over and over and over again to the point that they it ends up killing them. It's fascinating, isn't it? But yet, you know, people have a meltdown because they can't have their cell phone. They have a meltdown because they have to wait 45 seconds in line. And yet, in World War II, there were 17-year-olds, guys, 
17-year-olds that volunteered to get on a giant flying bomb, basically, giant B-17s, hanging out under the bottom of it on a gun across the Pacific Ocean, not knowing if they would probably even come back. What a time we're in. Um, people are capable of doing the impossible. You know, it wasn't too many years ago that the society was able to do everything. I mean, we, we cut through the Panama Canal. We, we, we pioneered the great, the great West. They navigated the oceans. They did the impossible. And, but they did everything with almost nothing, where everything was hard. Getting water was hard. Shelter was hard. Food was hard. Everything was life and death. These days, we have everything at our fingertips, and yet we do nothing. Think about that. wasn't too long ago they did everything with nothing. Now we do nothing with everything. I hope I said that clear. And so think of the contrast. Why? Because that eight inches of the nose lands us in a very different place over time. They say that the belief in the society in one generation will become the law and the rule of government in the next. Think about that. The reason you have such political clashes is because the ones in power are having to undo a mentality that has been rooted in the society sometimes for a decade or two decades. That's why there's such unbelievable turmoil and such rage because now that a new standard has come, the roots have to be pulled up. And this is where you get the reaction from because a society has been conditioned and marinated to believe things that in another generation would never have even been tolerated. As a matter of fact, it would have destroyed the people and it would have wiped the whole society out if they embraced half of the stuff that people embrace now. And so, I mean, think about this, right? How many people, okay, that was kind of at a macro level. Now let's talk about at a micro level. Who holds doors open for anybody anymore? Who? How many times do you go into a Starbucks? Like, or, or, or I'm sorry, you'll see a, uh, an older lady or a, or, or a gentleman, anybody. It doesn't be man, woman, doesn't matter. How many young people hold the door open for anybody anymore? So rare. You're like, wow, thank you, young man. Thank you, young lady. That was so kind. People are stunned. A handshake? Yeah. A limp-wristed, soft soft, mushy, doughy handshake is nauseating. Why? Because there's no confidence in it. Why? Because you're not engaged with the person you're shaking their hands with. Why? Because it's become just something you have to do now and there's no real connection and no presentness in that moment. And that's acceptable? I, I don't think so. When's the last time you had a good firm handshake when somebody looked at you in the eyes and said, thank you very much, took a moment and connected? Super rare. Or like at Starbucks, I was going to say, right? How many times have you gone into Starbucks and you've seen some guy with his headphones on, on his computer, sitting there in the middle of an eight-top table, smack in the middle of it with his coffee in his computer, or leaned back, scrolling through social media, and a family will walk in there and have nowhere to sit, and the guy will look up, see them, won't even consider that he could sit at the next table over that was a two-top that was designed for him, or the couch over there that's far more comfortable, the single chair. No, he will sit there and watch that family 
have to figure out some way to do it, to sit. That is so common, it's not even funny. Whatever happened to excellence? You want to separate yourself in this world? People are worried about making money, and I agree you should, a lot of it. People are worried about making a name for themselves and branding themselves and, and, and business strategy and all these kinds of things. How about excellence? That will separate you from the masses because even the successful, quote-unquote, many don't even walk in excellence. As a matter of fact, simple kindness, manners, character, integrity, doing the right thing, morals, will actually make more way for you, will actually create a longer, sustained platform in your life than any of this quick-fix temporary stuff. Let's think about book titles. How many books these days? And sorry if it sounds a little colorful. I'm not going to say the words, but I mean, every profanity under the sun is constantly used in the book titles. How 10 ways to... F this and 10 ways to GD that and DA this and D that and F this and, and it's one thing after the next. I cannot believe the percentage of book titles, podcasts, um, uh, web content, interviews where profanity is used so common you would think, hey, would you like fries with that? Hey, yes, would you like? It's so common, it's been the new replacement. And say, hey, how are you doing today? Really well. Thank you so much. Instead, it's, hey, how are you today? F, 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 G, D, G, D, G, D, G, D, D, blankety, blankety, blank. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, F, F, this. It is absolutely ridiculous. I see young people doing it. I see older people doing it. I see women, well-put-together men, business people. It is classless. It is tacky. It is that eight inches of the nose being put. Why? Because the society thinks it's cool. I know, I know people in ministry. I know people that, that uh, feel like they have to implement a gray language. They won't, maybe they won't even say the exact words, but they'll use a, a replacement word to be cool in common language. It is so rampant, it's not even funny. Why? Why is that the new language? Whatever happened to, whatever happened to speaking directly with real words to people. Why do we have to lace it with nonsense all the time? Because the society doesn't know the difference anymore. It's like boiling a frog in a pot of water. You put the frog, you know the story, you put the frog in cold water, he'll sit there, but if you raise that temperature, he won't even jump out of it, but if you raise that temperature ever so slightly, no matter how hot it gets, he won't recognize the temperature change until it cooks him to death. This is what has gone on, and if you want to be different in this world, how about clean up your mouth? How about that? You want to be different in this world, how about the time you spend online? How about not looking at questionable content and material? How about that? You know how rampant it is? It's everywhere. It's actually considered cool. It's considered normal. See, when vice is considered normal, self-deception destroys people. Whatever happened to the standard bearers? Well, because the standard bearers have been now deemed and seen as evil rather than a standard because the society has come so far. No wonder they rage against authorities and rage against those that hold uh, standards. 
Handicap parking. Think about that. How many people now know how to play the system? I, I think you can just go anywhere and get a handicap sticker and stick it on your car, and people will park between two handicap places sideways, and you'll see it. You'll be sitting there. You'll park 10 spaces out in a proper parking space. You're about to get out of your car. You see somebody swing in in some flashy new ride. They come in there between two spaces, and they literally jump out of the parking lot. I mean, they, they hang that little thing on their, on their mirror, and they jump out of the car, almost skipping to the front door, knowing that they can play the system that way. People say, oh, you don't know. It could be the parent. It could be da, da. Listen, don't go there. You know better than that. You know people know how to play the system. Who's going to say anything? God forbid you say anything. Why would you anyway? Who cares? But the point is, is that even that doesn't matter anymore. See, whatever happened to excellence? Well, nothing happened to it. It's just been buried. Whatever happened to manners? Well, nothing's happened to it. It's just been buried. See, here's what happens in a society, and, and, and all through time you'll see this pattern. You'll see, you'll see righteousness rise up, and a nation will be blessed. You'll see godly traits. You'll see truth and, and, and life-giving uh, nobility rise up, and a nation will be protected. You'll see invention. You'll see creation of all kinds of ideas, music. Uh, it, it, there's a renaissance of music. Everything is, in, is enlightened, if you will, to use that term, and there's protection and safety. Suddenly, the next generation comes in, they begin to erode the standards, perversion, relativism, right is wrong, wrong is right, and suddenly the society then suffers and there's huge losses and tremendous amounts of fallout and, um, and compromise. And then the next generation, the, the, see what happens is the tension is so strong, it's like pulling back the, uh, the string on a bow and arrow. Eventually the tension and the frustration of a society that is so sick of the debaseness. They're so tired of callousness. They're so sick of the lack of manners and the lack of integrity. And there's no truth anymore. And where are the righteous people? Who's doing the right thing anymore? Where do you see a normal family actually? See, now, get this. You can take this to, you can do whatever you want with this statement. But when you see a nice family sitting in a restaurant, beautiful mom, dad, some kids are sitting there, maybe even the grandparents are sitting there having a good time. People will walk in a restaurant, look at that, and despise it because it shouts differently than what they're doing. And again, you can do whatever you want with that statement. Why is that considered wrong? Or look at those goody two-shoes, or they have a silver spoon, or yeah, well, they've, you know, they're privileged. <laughs> Besides, you don't even know what's behind the scenes. They could have been having a terrible... They could have just been dealing with the death of somebody. They could have been dealing... You don't know anything. But why is just seeing that picture now wrong? Because of that eight inches where the nose has now landed us in D.C. rather than landed us in New York on a long flight. Proverbially, right? And here, I'm just, I'm just saying this. When the tension is pulled back so hard, the society revolts. And then there is a righteous hunger again. People are begging for truth. People are begging for examples. People are begging because everything is so broken down and destroyed around them that when you build back the walls, it all, it all goes back to biblical precedent. You know, they would say, you know, and this is a big paraphrase, 
and there was a wicked king, and this wicked king would do this and this and this, and they would allow all this idolatry, and they would allow all this perversion, and this and that would happen, and and they would allow all these different things to come in, and they would they would not protect uh, the sovereignty of their country, and they would uh, they would fall in all these false belief systems, etc. And and their and their family, and, and then it goes into this long list of what happened to the society. And they were either, and then after a while, if it was dealt with, they were enslaved or something terrible happened. And then you would see righteousness would rise up, usually from some little corner somewhere. And eventually that movement would take over and the nation would rise up and a righteous king would be established and the nation would be blessed and they would kick out all the perversion and they would go back to godly standards and they would and they were and there was love and blessing and abundance in the fields and the, their harvests and and peace was in the land. And then the standards would be ebbed away from that eight inches like I talked about, and suddenly the populace rises up a leader that thinks just like they do. So they have to have somebody that thinks like they do. How can they hate someone so likened to themselves? You ever heard that statement? And then suddenly the nation demonizes the righteous things, the good things, the wholesome things, and then upholds and lifts up and praises those things that are relative again, and all that stuff happens, and it's cyclical, 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 cyclical. Well, such is the historical timeline, but that doesn't mean that you can't be righteous. You know, I, I heard a, a gentleman say one time, I thought this was incredible. He was a he was a Christian man, and he was uh, high-ranking in the military, and uh, he was talking about, they were talking about end times, and you know, that was the subject, right? The questions were, what about end times? And, you know, the scripture talks about, uh, you know, all, and gives a long list. We can go into that sometime. And he said, I know that ultimately things wind up this way, and ultimately things wind up that way, but in the end, everything ends up in righteousness, because they were asking him a lot of theological stuff. He said, but under this current circumstance, he said, I can answer because they, because they said, what difference does it make if everything's going to end up going to hell in a handbasket, if you will, right? He said, well, ultimately, that's not where it's going to end up. But in the current time, even if everything ends up uh, like going to hell in a handbasket, and he says, we go on these missions, we go and we fight overseas, and then it seems like it didn't even matter, and thousands of people die, and... And then, you know, for whatever weird political reason, something flips over again, and then suddenly the people you were fighting for are now in power and uh, fighting again. He said, he said, it's so frustrating. He says, all I can tell you to keep my conscience clear, he says, not on my watch. See, a lot of people won't do the right thing because they don't think it matters. A lot of people don't hold a standard because they're afraid of the kickback. A lot of people will not speak in a righteous way because they're afraid of the opinions of people. Folks won't stand up because of fear of ridicule. Do you know people won't even rise up and embrace their gifts and their calling because they're afraid of the resistance and the flack and the backlash they may get if they rise up and actually do what they feel they're called to do? And I think that man's answer was the best, not on my watch. So when I'm sitting here talking about whatever happened to manners and, and standards and excellence, what are you doing on your watch? You can't control <laughs> everything, but you sure as heck can control you. You want to make more money? 
be excellent. You want to have more opportunity? Keep your mouth clean. You want to have peace in your mind and your heart and be able to focus? Quit scrolling and looking at garbage. You want to have peace in your mind and have your conscience clear? Don't have a wandering eye. Come on. See, all of that stuff builds up the soul because you can convince the world that you've got things together and you can fake it and convince people for a while. But what is on the inside of all of us ultimately comes out. Good times expose us because our guard is down. Bad times expose us because it squeezes what's on the inside out. What's on the inside is always revealed. And those that hold a standard and those that embrace righteousness and those people that understand right and wrong keep their mouth clean, keep their eyes, their ears. I love there's a great verse that I made a covenant with my eyes that I would not, I would not look upon a wicked thing my ears that I would not listen to evil, and with my mouth that I wouldn't speak evil. You want to protect yourself? Those gates, the ears, the mouth, and the eyes. The eyes see too much, or just what it should see. The mouth speaks too much, or just what it should say. And the ears don't have to listen to everything. Again, another biblical reference, talking in James about the tongue and about um, the ability to control a giant ship with such a small rudder or how you can control a, a, a mighty horse with a small bit in the mouth or how a small match or a small flame can start a massive blaze of a forest fire and it's relating to the mouth of a person. If you can control your mouth, and I am adding, because it's also appropriate, control your eyes, control what you hear, do the right thing. Believe again that that stuff matters. You know why people don't do that stuff? Because they don't see the end effect of not doing it, and they don't think that it matters if they stand up or stand firm or shine and bright. And I'm not telling you to go and be a martyr for some cause. Give me a break. You have to use wisdom. It's it, it, people that decide, hey, I'm going to stand up for something in a very terrible environment only end up creating harm for everybody. It's dumb. I'm not talking like that, guys, because people love to take conversations like this, and they love to take it to an extreme. I'm talking about look at somebody in the eye, open a door, move out of the way if there's a family sitting down, ask somebody if you can get them something. Manners, kindness, consideration, doing the right thing, keeping your faculties in check. You want to have opportunity before you? You want to be a leader in this next generation? You want to rise up even, I don't care if you're 50, 60 years old, if you are that person, that's why I love this, let your light so shine. Again, another biblical perspective. Let your light so shine that when men look upon your deeds, your actions, they glorify God because of your example. People say, wow. Think, think about that statement, because you would decide to rise up and let, meaning you're in control, by the way, to let your light so shine so that men and the populace would say, what is this person? Who is this person? And it would actually have them reflect on God because of your example. Don't think for a second that your being excellent doesn't matter 
because it matters like crazy. It matters more than we could possibly imagine. That's how you gain ground. That's how you gain control. That's how you have opportunity. That's how you set your family free. That's how you have a clean conscience. That's how you have opportunity open before you. That's how you separate yourself from the multitudes that look just like everybody else, else, sorry, elf, just like everybody else with their heads down in a, in a giant trough feeding like cattle. The masses just put their heads down and eat. Be different. Separate yourself. That is how you gain ground in this world, contrary to who you think is. Because people say, no, unless you're a celebrity, unless you do something crazy, you write some terrible movie, or you have these, you know, they always think that that is the crowd that is the driving influences. Yeah, because in a Roman society, that stuff is held and praised high. But if you really want to gain ground and make a difference that has legacy in mind, See, you can have all that stuff but have no peace. You can have that, all that stuff but have a terrible marriage. You can have all that stuff but be, but, but be suicidal or on drugs or, have, or hate yourself. Most and many do because of that, because unless it's grounded in a clear conscience, righteous thought, right and wrong, true north, then all of the money, the fame, the accolades simply amplify a person. Remember, money is not evil, is evil at all. It's not. Money is not evil. It says that the love of money is the root of all evil, meaning for the sake of gain, people will do whatever they need to do to get gain, meaning money. But money is an amplifier because you live in a commerce world, and so nothing functions without it. It's an amplifier. If you're a wicked and perverse person and you have a lot of money, you'll just be a bigger one. If you're a benevolent, kind person, which is far more powerful, by the way, then you'll just be a bigger one with more money. It only amplifies who you are. But in full circle, if you want real gains, then if you hold excellence, you embrace the things we're talking about today, you'll gain ground that's sure-footed, and isn't lost as soon as it comes. I know this conversation is not a common one, but I am sure and confident because all of us have a standard, guys, on the inside of us. I, 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 love, I love this. I'm always giving biblical references. I love this. It says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men so they are without excuse. There is a conscience. There is an awareness. Even if you've become an expert at pushing that off or pushing all this stuff off, on the inside of us, there is eternity put into the hearts of men. There is a standard that it craves righteousness. There is a, there's a blueprint that begs for true north. And as I'm talking like this, on the inside, hopefully all of you are like, you know what? Yes. And it's like you're drinking a fresh, it's like you're drinking a cold glass of water on a hot day. It's like it's, it's supposed to be refreshing. If what I'm saying is bothering you and you're agitated by it, you got to be careful. Let that be a warning. Like what happens to a person 
that when they hear about stuff like this, they are graded like nails on a chalkboard. They can't handle, they have to repel it. They have to get it away from them. It's an indicator of the callousness and the conditioning and the jadedness and that eight inches that sent us to a completely different direction. But on the inside below all that garbage is a craving for the truth, is a craving for the right thing. And so my plea to all of you today on this podcast, crave righteousness, crave right, do the right thing, manners, excellence, separate yourself from the world because nobody sees it. And when you do it, it's like a flashlight in the middle of a pitch black room. It's so bright. I always say this, turn on the light and the roaches scatter. Turn on your light, guys. The roaches are going to scatter anyway. But your light turning on gives, the, gives everyone else the capacity to even see where they're going. Final thought, and i got to leave it with another. I'm on it today, boy, I tell you. Another biblical reference, right? It says, talking about uh, God's Word, right? It says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen, amen, yeah, I hear everybody, amen, yeah, you're right, you're right. No, 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 hear me. God's word is a lamp into your feet, meaning that there's a lamp, a small, specific light that's designed to illuminate what's right in front of you. So as you're walking, you see exactly where your steps are going so you can step sure-footedly. But it's also, it says, thy word is a lamp into your feet, and, see, it's both, and a light, a larger light, unto your path. So not only do you see what's in front of you, but the entire path ahead of you is illuminated. See, people say, oh, you know, God only gives you what you're supposed to handle, and he only gives you one step at a time, and, and you know what, I, I appreciate that, but we're not to be blind. We're not to walk in the dark and grope and not know where we are. You wouldn't do that to your own children. Well, kids... You know, I'm going to light up one step on the steps at a time. And you better stand on each step because if you, you know, if you walk ahead, I'm not going to give you a fault. We, we, act, we, we believe very, very weird things. It's a light into your feet and a lamp into your path so that you're not walking in blindness. You don't have to grope in the dark. You can both see what's in front of you and what's before you. So you can confidently move now and towards your mark consistently. It's that true north. It's that proper compass. It's that, it's that absolute that you can anchor to even during contrary storms so that you can get to your destination. In other words, it's, it saves your life and you don't fall off in the ditch. So guys, I hope this has been a blessing to you. I'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Network Podcast. I really hope this message was timely and just what you needed to hear. Don't forget to subscribe to hear the latest episodes. And if you work for yourself in a home-based business or are thinking about joining one, then be sure to pick up a copy of my latest book, Cut It Out, available at gabrielsedlack.com and on Amazon. Until the next time.